Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends over at Chemistry Staffing. One of the conversations I literally find myself in every couple days is about finding the right team members for people's teams. I'm constantly asking, do you know any great youth people, worship people, executive pastors, senior pastors, kids pastors? Listen, this is not an ad. I Literally this week, I've had this conversation multiple times. You probably had similar conversations as well. That's why I want you to know about my friends, Matt Steen and Todd Rhodes. They are the co-founders of Chemistry Staffing. Chemistry Staffing is focused on helping churches like yours find healthy, long-term fits for their ministry positions. They work with churches of all sizes to develop a deep understanding of your church's theology and culture and unique personality and help you find the person with the skills and ability to lead a healthy ministry for the next 5, 10 or more years. If you're looking for your next ministry teammate, Chemistry Staffing will help you find that long-term healthy fit. And with all the craziness that's been going on in 2020 and now in 2021, now you know that many churches are beginning to ask hard questions about what their current team look like, looks like and how they really maybe need to deal with this new reality. So Chemistry has created this incredibly helpful tool that they're sharing with unseminary listeners like you called Chemistry Staffing's Restructuring Playbook. It'll help you and your team develop clarity around where you need to go next, where you should be focusing your team, your resources. It's a really helpful tool. So drop by today, chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick up that download. And while you're there, book a time for a free 30 minute consult with one of their staff. You'll be glad you did it. Again, that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we bring you a different church leader that, uh, you know, is really here to equip and inspire you. And today is no exception. Super excited to have Pastor Chris Bell with us. He's at Three Circle Church, which was founded in 2000. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the country. It's a multi-site church. Chris is the lead pastor. Pastor Chris, welcome to the show. So glad you're here today. Rich, thank you so much for the invite. Really honored to be here and uh, really excited about it. This is going to be great. Why don't you tell us about Three Circle? Give us a kind of a bit of the story. Give us a sense of the church. Oh, absolutely. Three Circle Church. Yeah, founded in 2000. And uh, in 2012, I had the honor of being asked to be the lead pastor. At the time, it was under a different name and kind of a different vision as well. Uh, so when I came in, uh, myself and our elder team here really began to pray about the direction, the long-term direction that we wanted to take as a church. And that led us to our new name, Three Circle. We really wanted the name of the church to not just be uh, kind of a name, but also be the mission and the vision of the church 
church all wrapped in the one. And I did a sermon series on the three circles that I see in Acts 1-8, uh, where Jesus said the gospel is going to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit locally, regionally, globally. He said Jerusalem, Judea, all over the world. And we saw these three distinct circles there. And I began to do that sermon series. I kept saying, we're going to be a three-circle church. We're not just going to be local. Mm. We're going to be global. And we're not just going to be global. We're going to be local. And one of my elders came up to me and said, hey, uh, I think you found the name of the church. I said, really? He said, yeah, man, we're a three circle church. So that's how that happened. So, you know, we were thinking we had a bunch of other names we were looking at and we really felt like God gave us that name. And since then, it's been really cool to watch our people at all of our campuses. When people say, hey, what is three circle all about? They immediately they go uh, local, regional, global. That's what we're about. And uh, that's so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's let's actually use that as a framework. I think that's a great way to think about this last year. I've been um, super excited to introduce people to the, to your church if they're not aware of it. But I'd love to hear kind of how has your church been impacted? 2020 is a, a, a it was quite a year. And so a put a flag in the ground. We'll all remember this year. I'd love to talk through locally, regionally, globally. How has your church been impacted and then responded to everything that that 2020 was, even in that those kind of three circles? Right. Yeah. 2020 has been interesting with the pandemic and it started for us. We kind of got international attention because, uh, interestingly enough, as the pandemic was just beginning to happen, um, we had a trip, myself and 12 others from our church. We had an Israel trip plan. We were going to go tour oh, wow. the Holy Land. Yeah. So it was yeah. all staff and wives. And so we we got the clearance. We got clearance from officials and everybody. They said, hey, the Middle East has, you know, COVID's not a big deal there yet. And it wasn't a big deal here yet. So we fly over rich. And not only did we end up in the epicenter for the Middle East of COVID, this is no joke. It was in our hotel. Literally, the, the where it started in the Middle East was our hotel in Palestine where we were in Bethlehem. So well, we you wanted we, to be in a global church. You wanted yeah, to have impact yeah. around the world. So right. there it is. <laughs> your, listeners, your listeners can jump on Google right now and they can find the 13th wow. American stuck. And uh, we, it, we, it was a dicey situation. Um, so we ended up stuck over there for a while and we would have been there for months and months, but God's, I could tell you a whole different story, another podcast, but uh, right. wow. by God's grace, we got back. We ended up quarantining here, obviously. And that's when the world blew up. So, the first thing we decided, uh, and I had my, I had uh, two of our executive pastors were with me on that trip. So we're all quarantined and I, and I looked at everyone. And, and so when we came back, we came back to a different world, literally, you know, it seemed like mm. everything was changing and immediately our governor was reaching out to us going, Hey, we got to shut down the churches. That's, this is uh, April, I guess, March, April. Mm-hmm. And so right out of the gate, God really, I think told us, you know, I looked at our XP, I said, we have got to get our team and all of us to not begin to say the things we can't do because that's that's obvious really fast oh my goodness we can't meet we can't get in the building i want us to immediately pivot and say what can we do and i that's got to be our north star right now every day get up and say what can we do and we were stuck we were literally at a cabin in the woods here in uh, coastal alabama quarantining okay but but we got a camera out there and we began to uh, record sermons. We started immediately doing a, you know, a devotional every day for people to tune in because your people needed to stay connected. And again, we just began to go, what can we do? And one of the big things we did, and someone told me that maybe we were one of the first to do this. I don't know, but mm-hmm. we just decided, okay, we have all this equipment. we got a great facility. 
Um, and we have tons of pastors in our geographical area across the Gulf Coast here where we are that we knew were struggling. They didn't have the equipment to do online services. Most of them had never done an online service. So we put out immediately, like literally a couple of days into it, we put out this thing to any pastor anywhere in our area that wanted to come use our place, that we would record their sermons for them. We would, our team would help them edit their sermons, teach them how to get them on Facebook Live and all that good stuff. Wow. We would help them pull it off. And Rich, it blew us away. The response, uh, we started getting calls from pastors saying, hey, we, we always knew you guys were a big church and all this. We didn't know you had a heart, <laughs> you know, <Wow. laughs> um, it was it was pretty cool. So, again, that was born out of that idea of what can we do, because it's really easy to get bogged down in what right. you can't do. But, man, every day and we just would look at each. What can we do right now? And some of the greatest ideas were born out of that. Mm, I love that. Well, and I love the 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 impetus to try to say, "Hey, we want to help. Let's let's do what we can to help others. Let's help other churches jump on board." Uh, I love that. What what else? So one of the things that I think's been interesting in this year has been, um, you know, churches have struggled with particularly the international piece. It's yes. you know, so many ministries around the world have um, pivoted what they're doing on the ground and they've become much more, which is fine, but have just had to change everything. Like we've had to change everything. How has your kind of international ministries changed? What what have you done differently in this last year, uh, you know, on the international? Yeah, side? well, certainly, you know, we are, we have a huge international presence, but again, but out of, born out of the vision and name of our church, but our partners, mm-hmm. you know, we really work with indigenous partners. That's one of the big mm-hmm. things we do. And we, we can name them, you know, here's who we have. We're, we have a huge thing going in Costa Rica. We're trying to plant a hundred uh, gospel centered churches in 20 years in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And we've got our point guys. So we really believe in having point people. We've got a point guy there. Pano is his name who we sent to seminary, sent one of our team members down there to keep the movement going while he was in seminary and then got him back down there. Uh, Cause he just wanted some, he wanted theological training. He just didn't have it. And so he heads back down and that's really going great. So what we did, and I'm just using that as one of the examples, uh, we just began to work with them. So, so we go, Hey guys, we can't travel. We can't get to you. And you, you know, because here's the deal, Rich, every single area has its own set of issues with this Mm -hmm. pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little different everywhere. So we've really depended on those relationships with those point people to go, Hey, and, and again, we're trying to push out our culture. So we call Pano and all those guys, we go, Hey, what can we do? We understand we can't come. We understand you can't get to us. And all these other things we've done, it's not going to work now. But we are asking the question, what can we do right now? Well, all of a sudden, we begin to figure that out. And we go, well, what we could do is this. And uh, so out of that, you know, again, it's very different each place. We can't travel, but we've been able to get resources to these places because some of them, they just needed food. Like in some of these indigenous areas, uh, the thing that hit them the hardest was food. Like they began to have big time food resource issues. So we were able to find channels to get that to them, um, to, to get training for them, for their volunteers and things like that, to be able to use video conferencing and things like that, to help train their teams when normally we would have been flying in with teams to Mm -hmm. do that. So again, that's what we did internationally to, to, to work with those partners and say to each one of them, you tell us what you need us to do right now to help you continue the mission. Because that's the thing, Rich, for all of us, whether we're in Costa Rica or here in Alabama, the mission hasn't changed. Everything else has changed, right? Mm-hmm. The mission hasn't. So the question is, how do we, how do we complete the mission with this whole new set of issues? 
Yeah, that's great. Um, now, one of the things I find is that so many of us can get locked into like, hey, we've got to either find something that's worked across town or maybe across the country and just try to dump that into our ministry. Uh, but one of the things that strikes me just as, yeah, just as I kind of track with three circle a little bit is you found some interesting kind of creative solutions. Uh, how have you encouraged your team particularly to look beyond kind of this cookie cutter solutions, but look at things that are unique. What, what have you been doing to try to help your team to think that way? Yeah. So ministry is local. I mean, it really is. Again, we say local, regional, global, but even when you get under the hood of the international stuff, we're actually making it local. You know, we go to those guys, we go, what do you need here in Nassara, Costa Rica or whatever? So for us, we start going, what do we need here? Because the truth is, again, in a globally connected world now, it's still very unique by town, by community. Even with us, we have four campuses and we have a unique approach to multi-site rich. We we don't do, and again, we're not knocking any other approach, but we just believe that every one of our campuses is unique and has a unique set of things going on in those communities. So we asked that question. We said, okay, what's going on around each one of our campuses and what's going to be the big deal there? So we have, an, you know, we have a couple of campuses in an affluent area. So we go, okay, there, there's a set of stuff that they're dealing with because you've got a lot of high tech people. They can't travel now, sales people that can't travel. How can we serve mm-hmm. our people? Uh, how can mm-hmm. we serve? We have a, a more urban uh, campus, a lot of poverty around that campus. What are we going to do there? So our game plan looked very different at all of our campuses, but we went very we went ultra local and we really pushed in to go, okay, what's going on right here in our area? And again, how can we serve our people? So a couple of things we did, Rich. One, we have a big team and all of a sudden most of our team didn't have a lot to do, right? Back in the spring <laughs> and summer. So true. what we decided is we said, okay, every, we're going to fight to make sure that everyone keeps their job. But we had this, you're going to have a job, but it's going to be a different job. And you've got to be open to that. So what we did is we moved people into the buckets where we needed help. The big bucket was like pastoral care, local care, local missional stuff. So we had, you know, people who were assistants and people who were doing other types of ministries. All of a sudden they're working with our local mission guys to make sure we get food out and getting help to people. And so we, everybody, we never had to let anyone go, which we're so grateful for, Mm, but we did move people around. We kind of recalibrated in that way. And so we started a prayer thing. We, we started uh, a virtual prayer wall on our websites where our people could go on and uh, put their prayer request and see when people pray for them, they can click on there and they can literally see how many people have prayed for their need in the middle of the pandemic. Um, We began to do tons of food deliveries. We worked with other, we, we had companies call us when they found out what we were doing. And I'm talking companies like Panera Bread and some mm-hmm. others that said, hey, we will help if you'll help us get mm-hmm. the food out. And so we partnered with these organizations to do that. Again, those kind of things were huge. And then one thing we did that I thought was really cool is we decided we've got, you know, what, five, 6,000 people in our uh, database, I guess. And we decided that we were going to call every single one of them were going to get a personal call from us to say, how are you doing? And then take notes on how they're doing. So we knew who needed what, and that was a huge undertaking actually, but everyone on the team, everyone, me included, we had a list Mm -hmm. of about, I don't know, 200 people, whatever that we had to call. And we started Mm -hmm. calling rich. The stuff that came out of that was unbelievable. Everyone got prayed for by a three circle Mm -hmm. staff member over the phone. And then we got to find out where they were and how they were doing. And I'll tell you what, that, 
ultra local information we were getting helped us. We even Mm -hmm. recalibrated more when we heard from our people what they needed Mm -hmm. and what they were going through. So some of that were, uh, those were some of the things we did that really helped. Yeah, I love that. I love that idea of listening so carefully. We've heard many churches in this year that have done a similar thing where they, uh, you know, they called everyone, but I love that you pushed it one step further, which is, okay, let's actually then change what we're doing based on what we're learning. The other thing I want to underline that we've heard again from a couple different um, churches in this time, and again, we see it again with a church like Three Circle, which has, you know, a positive um, you know, kind of reputation in the community. It's the yeah. kind of church that's life-giving. People understand, hey, that's a good church. That that other organizations see, hey, you guys are doing some good. We want to come alongside right. and help. Um, and you know, that's a great thing. You want to embrace that as a church leader. One of the things that you've uh, you know, you touched on there is this idea of being ultra local. I think one of the weird things that that one of the weird things that could happen this year is we jump we because so many of our churches have ended up being online more this year. We've spent more time on you know we did this study here at the end of 2020 where we found I was a national study of executive pastors and it's a high percentage 90 some odd percent invested a ton in online stuff this year sure. and that can naturally push us to think oh like we're going to reach everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. Interestingly that you you've said hey we want to continue to figure out how we can do ultra local. Are there any other ways you've seen that kind of work itself out over this year as you've wrestled with, hey, what do we do to reach the people in our community? Yeah, you know, I think too often, and I think this happens more in church leadership than anywhere else, is we create dichotomies that that aren't needed. They're not required. <laughs> yes, uh, true. Yeah, so uh, it's a both and, you know, so if, mm-hmm. I've heard so many say, well, you know, we're we're not going to go online because we believe in being in the building, you know, and, and you go, well, that world is gone. It's not, you know, that, that old world is, is just that it's the old world and meeting in buildings is never going away, but this online thing's never going away either. So again, let's just leverage it. Let's get really good at both. So we just decided both, both and both and both and. So every bit of communication we do now says, uh, online and in person. So we want people to know we're, we're doing the same thing and we, and, and that gives people the choice that gives people the option uh, to take both. So, so for us though, we, we've really shoved even our online stuff into being ultra local. And by that, you know, we're, we're letting the people know online in our communication, Hey, if you're near one of our campuses, here's how to connect with them. We want them to be able to connect. And Hey, if you're joining us from Oregon, cause we're down in coastal Alabama and we, and, and it has, we've gotten a real international presence. We're pushing them because look, Look, man, we we want people. We're for the local church. It doesn't have to have our name on it. We're for local churches. So what we're doing is is we're pushing people. Hey, email us. We'll help you find a church in your area. And we've done a lot of that. So hey, you want a gospel church that loves Jesus and loves the Bible because that's what we're looking for. And you're in Oregon and you enjoy what we do. Well, we want to help you find a local church. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, for us, it's not let's put a campus there either because that's we just that's not our calling. Uh, we believe there's some great churches out there. So that's been huge for us to, to localize that because at the end of the day, it really is local ministry is local in all aspects. And so we, we try to push it that way for sure. Love that. What now through this process, when you look back and you say, okay, here are some things we learned about communicating with our own people, with the folks around us in our broader community, inside the walls, outside the walls, whatever the walls are. Uh, what are some of those lessons that you've learned over this last year, particularly from a communication point of view? Yeah. So one thing we learned was more, not less. 
Um, that was so good. Yeah. So when we, when we rolled out of this thing, we said, okay, our people are, are dismayed right now. They're that, you know, everything in their world is spinning around. What's something we can do again. It was that, what can we do? Well, we, we have this thing called the internet that just could give us access all the time. So we, and again, it was great for me because I was able to allow a lot of our communicators that don't normally get a lot of stage time to suddenly get a Mm -hmm. ton of it because we decided Mm -hmm. for the first, I think two months of the pandemic, we decided every day there'd be a three circle devotional available online maybe seven minutes where we're just staying connected because we could, everyone felt disconnected and uh, there's masks and no one can talk and everyone's stuck in their houses, but we wanted them to know we are still here. We're not going anywhere. And so every day they could tune into three circle in that regard. And then we added a midweek gathering. And uh, so we were doing our weekend gatherings online, but we added a, an entire worship service. We did it on Thursday nights and you could tune in and, it, and, and people just loved it because what we found is our people wanted to connect more and they needed more communication from us. So we, we were very, very clear. And one thing we were clear about is this is going to sound funny, Rich, but we were clear about the lack of clarity, if this makes sense. So, okay. Yeah. Instead of acting like we have it all together and we, everything's going to be fine. I feel like church churches sometimes treat their people like they're stupid. I'm just being honest Mm, here. Yeah, I know. Let's pat you on the head and we're real cool here and we've got this figured out. So we just said to everyone, Hey, we got no clue where this is going (laughs) and we know you don't know where it's going either. So we're all in this boat together. We're just super honest with them. And we would say things like, we don't know when we're going to meet in the buildings again. We hope we can again soon, but until then we're, you know, we're going to do this. And what we would say was, we would say the building is again, theological. The building is not the church. Even though we're not meeting in the building, we're still the church. The church has not changed. And so there was a lot of that. And we just kept saying those things over and over again and kept letting our people know we're here for you and letting them know that they could, like, if they had needs, we were going to meet them. And for, I don't know, three months, Rich, we were delivering about 200 meals. uh, Yeah, a day, I think, just getting them out to people who really were in great need. So that, that those were some of the things we did that I think really right. helped us through that time. Well, and I love that idea of just declaring, "Hey, here are the things we don't know, and here are the things we do know." <laughs> and here, you well, know, uh, yeah, exactly. Be honest with people, and you know, it I, I think a lot of rights. Yeah, and absolutely. Be, you know, the church isn't communicating clearly enough. We were real clear that we were not mm. clear. <laughs> we didn't, sure. and the rest of the world didn't either. And and give us some grace. And we're gonna as soon as we know, and we would let them know. We would say, hey, here's our tentative plan. We use that word all the time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Here's yeah, our tentative here's our plan. Sense. But if it changes, it changes, and we'll let you know. And uh, yeah. people, people just jumped on board with that, man. I love that. Another way I've heard that described or talked about is here are the questions that we're asking. Like sometimes just framing for people, right. here are the things that we're wondering about as leaders. Like, hey, we're trying, we, we're still asking the question whether we, we're still opening. Obviously, there's places in the country yeah. where people still aren't open, That's or right. here are, here's what we're trying to work out with our kids' ministry. We're not sure how to do this. We're still trying to figure mm-hmm. out these pieces. Even that helps give uh, a certain amount of, um, clarity to people. Sure. And we dealt with like a lot of guys did rich where where we Mm -hmm. had people that were mad that we were not opening up and had others angry that we were even thinking about opening up. And so there were all those divisions and divisive lines. And, and so again, once again, we, we just tried to get above that and say, Hey, we, we totally understand if you don't want to come to church, in the building, when we do open, you don't have to. We have this online thing. 
It's going to be awesome. And we bless that. We understand if you want to come to the building, you can, you can come to the building, but here's how it's going to be. If you come to the building, you're going to have to wear a mask. And, and so, and, and we just never got down into the mud of the political side of that, or we just kind of honored everyone's opinion. We just said, Hey, it's okay for us all to see this a little differently and uh, let's love each other. Let's have grace and let's love Jesus and be unified in this. And we didn't do that perfectly, but we gave it a shot. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, now, is there anything through, as you, you know, you, obviously you tested a bunch of things, you tried, like you said, midweek worship, you were doing devotionals. Are there any pieces of that that you learned through that process that you've continued to do, or you think, oh, that that might be a part of our future? Uh, we tried some things that, hey, this could be a, a future part of yeah. what we're going to do as a church. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that we figured out real fast is that typically what, what we've done in, in church world, us included, is that we would take our Sunday uh, gatherings, our weekend mm-hmm. gatherings, and we would just stick them online. So it was basically an online feed, right? right. And that's fine when you are, uh, when, when it's just you know, normal before COVID, everyone, you know, 90% of the church is in the building and you have these other folks that are joining in and they can catch the service. But what we figured out is when that flipped and a hundred percent of everyone was online, uh, here's the deal. When I'm in the building, we control the variables when people are in the building. But when Joe and his family of six are at the house trying to have church, I'm now competing with the cat. I'm competing with the dog <laughs> next door, so uh, the, the internet and all that. So now the variables are out the door. So watching a uh, 65 minute gathering that was meant for a live environment and it's now stuck on that computer screen or TV screen, it just doesn't work that well. Mm-hmm. And so what we decided is we would create, for lack of a better term, a, a product or a service experience. We would create one that was made for online. And we did a lot of research and a lot of studying on this uh, as to what would work. And what we found out is people need release valves. They need things to to, to keep their attention when you're in the room like that. There's kids and parents in the room. And so what we did is we began to shoot on location. It was a ton of work, but we created a very, very high quality weekend experience online. We were, uh, we, we used a ton of creativity. We would shoot everything uh, on, uh, on location. So we did a river series and we shot it all on water and all of these interesting things, lots of cutaways to keep people's attention. And so all of that work we were putting into it, man, it just shot our numbers online through the roof. It gave us more reach. We were finding out that all these new people were watching in town and we're just loving it. So we, we realized we tapped into something. So now that we're back in the buildings, we looked at one another and we're like, why would we ever go back? Like it'd be real easy to just go back and stick that online feed, but we know that doesn't work as well online. So that is something that has stuck for us. In fact, Rich, it's so important to us that our next couple of hires will be guys to help us continue to be online the way we have been during the pandemic. So it's more work because every week I'm getting prepared for a live environment. I'm also shooting all this on location stuff to make the online thing so good. But it's worth it to us. I mean, we we have a reach online that we've never had before, and we just believe it's absolutely worth it. So that has been something. And I just would recommend that to people uh, to really consider whether sticking an online feed, maybe that's all you can do. But if you can do more, I think that uh, once again, it's kind of like when you read a great book and they turn it into a movie. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> change, right. They yes, have yep, to change something different. book to make it work. Uh, here in Fairhope, Alabama, the guy that wrote Forrest Gump uh, lived mm-hmm. here. He recently died. Oh, fun. But, but if you read, I've read the book Forrest Gump and then I saw the movie. Man, they had to change that book a ton to make it work for a movie. It's just two mediums. There's paper, there's, there's video. So it's the same thing. You're taking a live environment, sticking it online. Man, some things have to change. And we have found if we will go ahead and do that, it's far more effective. Yeah, that's great. And this for listeners that are listening in, you know, Three Circle Church would be a great church for you to to look at to say, hey, here is a church that has done something online. I think a lot of us are wrestling with exactly that issue. We know intuitively, oh, we can't go back to just uh, dropping, you know, our kind of live experience online. We've we've got to come up with something different. And so this would be a great church for you to follow and learn more about. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You talked a little bit about multi-site. You kind of mm-hmm. kind of peeked your head into that. Yeah. Um, I know you've got some unique approaches to multi-site. You kind of think in a in a creative way around that. Um, as you think, how has multi-site been impacted by this? How how are you wrestling with multi-site as you think about the future from here? Yeah, well, I think that um, for us, again, I I mentioned it earlier, we do not take the franchise approach to multi-site. And again, I'm I'm not knocking any other approach. I think they all work. But for us, we our our communities where our campuses are are very, very different, really, really different. So we decided that we needed we needed each one of those campuses to be different. Now, it has been a wrestling match for us to say how much DNA, you know, I want it. I want people to know this is three circle when they walk through the door. But also how much, you know, that it's locally contextualized and we are hyper on on that, on local contextualization for our campuses, from music to feel to everything we're doing there. And so that has been huge for us. And it really helped us during the pandemic because because we really raise uh, our campus pastors are the key to that lock. They really are. So we want really great really great guys and we empower them. We're really big on on empowering them. I want them to tell me what we need to do in their area. And we, we help shape that up. But that, but what that means is we can't, we don't hire guys uh, that, that can't do this. Like we need really great people. They need, they need to be able to do this. And then the other thing we have learned with multi-site that I think is huge. I think often in the multi-site world, we hire people and we bring people in and we don't set them up for success. Um, and this is what I mean, because when I look at leaders, especially in that campus pastor role, I, I, I see shepherds, I see leaders and communicators. That's kind of how I look at it. And so so what will happen often is you'll get a guy. Now, if you need a communicator, you need someone who can communicate in that role. But but a shepherd is someone who cares for people, but they typically a true deep shepherd at heart. They're not as big on growing things. That's just not their first inclination. They're big on loving the people that are there. And those people are awesome. And then you have leaders, that the, these grower type people, and they just grow everything they do. Let's grow it. Let's grow it. Let's grow it. Both of those have ups and downs. And it's why all of us have been to a church. I bet you have, Rich, where you go and you hear this incredible preacher. You're like, this guy is an amazing communicator, but he's at a very small church and he's been there for 25 years. I guarantee mm-hmm. you that's more of a shepherd guy because you can be a killer communicator, but but be just, I just love people. I just want to love people. And I'm a great preacher on the weekend. And then you've probably been to big churches that are growing like crazy. And you hear the guy preaching, you're like, yeah. He's okay, <laughs> you know. Right, <laughs> and, and you go. Well, that's just a, that's a really good leader that can communicate. But his real gift is that. So when hiring guys, we want to know up front. We go, okay, what are who are you really? And we've got guys like I've got a guy at one of my campuses who's he's one of the best shepherds I've ever seen. 
Everyone at his campus loves him and he loves them. But we have to bring people around him because we also want that campus to grow. We we understand the growing part of it is not his gift. So we bring guys around him who can help with that. And that's kind of the way we're looking at our campuses. We go, okay, our point guy, what is his real gifting? Well, I'm, if he's a shepherd, I'm not going to just wear him out all the time about becoming a grower because that's not, you know what I mean? He's just not going to do yes, it. Yes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to look at him and go, now you need to let me bring guys around you, whether they're volunteers or the next hire we make. And that person, because what I don't want is two guys like that at the same campus. And then also at my campuses, I've got a grower guy. He's a bulldozer. You know what I mean? There's bodies flying everywhere if we're not careful, right? You know what <laughs> sure, I'm talking about. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I look at him and I go, hey, dude, you, uh, you know, I want you to work on being more loving and caring and all that, but I know you can only go so far without you're a grower, you're an entrepreneur. So I'm going to bring guys around you that you, that really love people and your volunteer base needs to look like that. And our next hire for you needs to look like that. Rich, this concept has helped us so much because it takes the pressure off of trying to shove these guys into a mold that God didn't make them for. And it gives us the chance to really build the correct team around the leader. And that has helped us tremendously. Well, and I think the thing, so I've journeyed a lot on multi-site. We've talked a lot about multi-site on the, on the podcast. The thing that you have astutely identified is that so much, that, that key role of the campus pastor, so much rides on that. You know, it's been said everything rises and falls in leadership. And that's so true in the campus pastor role and having a deep understanding of those individuals and building the team really around them, right. rather than just demanding that everybody's cookie cutter to, you know, what we talked about earlier in the conversation, Correct. Hey, you just be this person and yeah. then everything will be the same. I think it's a smart approach. It's, uh, it's wise. It's really for sure. love, love that. It's work for us. Yeah, We're that. trying to get better and better at it. And, and I really think it would help. I don't know of a church that it wouldn't help if they would really uh, dive under the hood of who their leaders really are and then build teams around who that leader really is. You got to be honest about it though. And the guy you you're talking to, he has to be willing to be honest about it as well. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They got to be open and absolutely. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's got to be a good relationship yeah. obviously, between totally. yourself and the ca- and the campus pastors. Love that. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. There's so much more we could talk about, but is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up today's episode? Well, what I would say to guys, last thing that, that, that we're telling a lot of pastors, you know, a lot of guys are preaching now to what, what we call an empty room, right? They're, 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 uh, recording sermons and all that. And I would say to all the guys out there who are communicating, stop speaking to empty rooms. Uh, even when you're in an empty room, do not think about it that way. You have to get in your head the people you're talking to. Communicators communicate to something. So don't just communicate to the abyss and uh, do whatever it takes. Like one thing that I'm doing, a discipline I have, Rich, is I pick, I have a different 10 to 15 names of people in my church uh, that I sit down and pray for out loud by name before I go and record our sermons you're going online. And what that does is it drives into my heart real people that I am, that I'm teaching and speaking to. And so I'm, I'm telling pastors everywhere, Hey man, don't fall into that trap of the empty room because you'll come across, you know, so much less dynamic, uh, get it in your heart, pray for real people, real names, whatever it takes, call some of them. I've, I've got one guy that I told told this to, he actually calls and has some conversations before he records his sermons each week for his totally. stuff. And it just brings it a lot. That, that's what I would leave guys with. And Rich, thank yeah. you, man. This has been huge. 
Oh, Chris, I really appreciate it. Appreciate your church. And and listen, I would love listeners, if you're listening in, to get a chance to track with Three Circle. This is a fantastic church. Uh, if people want to track with the church or with yourself, where should we send them online? Where do we want them to connect with the church? Yeah, so I would definitely push people to Three Circle, uh, threecirclechurch.com. So the number three, so it's not spelled out. It's the number three, then the word circle, the word church.com. And you can check us out. You know, we're all, on all the uh, social media platforms. Uh, my platform is... Uh, uh, Pastor Chris Bell. So that's me on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, and anywhere else. So yeah, man. So th- would love for people to jump on and anything that we can ever do to help them, you know, they can they can email us. They can catch me at Chris at threecirclechurch.com if anybody wants to have a conversation. We are all about helping churches, man. We just love the church and anything that we have come across to help people, uh, we would be honored to do so. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate being on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.